Okay, good afternoon, everyone, and, uh, and thank you for uh, staying in the room uh, while it's sort of towards the end of the day. Uh, and it feels like all morning um, we've been listening about NPLs, and now is the panel that will actually go into a bit more detail um, about it. Clearly, a major issue for the banks, a major issue for the government, um, and here we have specialists representing all stakeholders in the sector. We have representatives of uh, Greek financial um, institutions. We have representatives from the servicer side, from the advisory side, and most importantly for the, for, for, for the um, progress that we need to make, representatives from the investor side that need to come and, and, and facilitate these transactions. Um, the Greek banks have clearly remaining committed to the reduction of the high stock of NPLs that they have in their books. The improved legal and regulatory framework um, allows the disposal and servicing of NPLs, and it has now been tested and begun to bear fruits. We've already had a few examples of uh, successful transactions in the market, and it feels like 2019 has seen a number of very high-profile investors um, coming into the country and participating um, either in, uh, in, in setting up new servicer platforms, carving them out from the banks, or helping the banks offload NPLs from their books. That activity that we sort of started seeing over the, the last 18 months um, now comes together with a positive momentum that further drives the high demand in, this, in the buy side because of a, a, a greater macroeconomic outlook for Greece, um, spreads of the Greek state bonds um, being lower than ever, and, and a, a, a very important uplifting um, uh, sentiment in the property market, seeing prices picking up and lower taxation that can uh, enable greater exit opportunities in the market. On the next slide, you can briefly see some of the successful transactions from all four banks over the last year. But clearly, as was said earlier, this is not enough. We still have a very high number um, of NPLs, and uh, we hope that with the uh, asset protection scheme, um, which is uh, successfully named Hercules, because we need a Herculean effort to further reduce um, the, the, the NPLs to a sustainable number. Uh, we have a few transactions, very high-profile transactions in the market already, but without further ado uh, and any further interest from me, I'd like to get directly into the panel um, and uh, um, hear from our esteemed panelists. And starting with Theodore, who represents um, Alpha, one of the systemic banks on this panel, and I'd like, I'd like Theodore to comment uh, more generally on the uh, perspective of the recent developments in the market from the banking side, what is the way ahead, and, and, and what does he envision the, um, the, the impact of Hercules to be in the efforts that Alpha is making? And we heard uh, Alpha CEO earlier commenting on, on Project Galaxy. So, Theodore. Uh, good afternoon, and I would like to thank uh, Capital Link for the invitation. Uh, now, as you said, uh, the Hercules project is a project that will change the market going forward. Uh, and actually, it's a combination of events that is leading the market to somehow to a window of some kind. I think it's very important what you mentioned before. We have seen uh, the Greek banks working on the NBL starting a few years ago with internal platforms to deal with the NBL. We've seen sales 
this bank has conducted something like 8 billion of sales in the past three, two or three years. And bear in mind that we only have a NPL portfolio sales framework for two years, two and a half years. And now we're going to the last leg of it, which is uh, the ability to do large transactions and large securitizations. This is coming primarily from the fact that the GGBs are going down and therefore the pricing of this transaction is quite different. It's also come from the fact that we have services in the market, even though the servicing capacity is not there for the Greek banks to offload whatever they have planned in Hercules. So the second big change in the market is not the securitization, it's also the carve out of NPL platforms and operations to three mega services plus the existing ones. The one is the transaction that Piraeus performed with Intrum. There's the ongoing transaction of Eurobank for Cairo and FPS. And there's a transaction that we have announced and we, as the CEO said, we plan to perform within the first six months of 2020, which will lead to three mega services with assets under management between 25 and 30 billion, which you need to understand that these are sizable services for the European market. So yes, the Hercules scheme will affect and will accelerate the NPLs, but we are talking now about a different market. End of 2020, it will be a completely different market. Most of the banks will have outsourced their operations. And from our side, we will be seeing a transfer of this that from the banking balance sheet to the private uh, institutions. Uh, but we have to bear in mind and keep in mind that this is not the end of the journey. The banks will stay back with certain amounts of NPLs, quite lower, more skewed to restructurings in our uh, business plan, but in important number. We will still be away of the uh, European average on NPAs, which is around 3.5 to 5%, and all banks opt to be at 10% in uh, two or three years' time. And we will be having an economy with the private debt being there and need to be resolved by the services and the private equity industry. But 2020 will be a very important year and building on the economy which is growing, the lowering of GDPs which allow for securitization and the impact of the Hercules scheme, we expect to see same trends in the market that we saw in the Italian market, where after the GAC scheme, we really saw an increase on market activity. Last but not least, we have to bear in mind that the Greek banks are doing jumbo transactions uh, later in the economic circle than we saw in Italy and especially in Spain. But they are also transferring UTPs and not only NPLs into this transaction. This is an important uh, part of the restructuring taking place in 2020 because we see that the market is accelerating to this asset class as well. Thank you, Theodore. And as a moderator, the best gift you can get is, is having one of the panelists set the stage for the next question. So noting the importance of, of, of the um, service or carve-out transactions, we're uh, very likely to have Giorgio Kopoulos 
formerly of Piraeus Bank and now heading interim in Greece, who just went through such a transaction. And uh, I'd like to ask George to provide us a bit with the background of the issues they faced in, in that context, but more importantly, uh, how they overcame those issues and what is the vision going forward for Intrum and Piraeus Bank in Greece in this space. Pano, thank you. Thank you, Pano. I have a bit of a problem with my voice. I hope you can hear me and I hope you can communicate quite clearly. <clears throat> Indeed, what we went through creating Intrum Elas has been a groundbreaking transaction in terms of uh, size. The assets under management are 41 billion already, so one of the largest transactions in Europe and one of the largest services in Europe. That's, that's a legal claim we manage today. And by the way, the 41 billion is the 41 billion we have today, I think, is a matter of time before we reach, we reach the 50 billion. Intrum already bought another 2 billion last, uh, last week, so we expect to be towards the 50 billion by the next uh, Capital Link uh, conference. So, groundbreaking transaction in terms of size. Secondly, in terms of breadth of the asset classes, because we have uh, from retail early all the way down to complex industrial and shipping type of assets we are managing. And thirdly, impressive in terms of uh, and groundbreaking in terms of the time it took to complete. It was completed in uh, 11 months from the first time that we Piraeus Bank back then we met uh, with uh, Intrum, which is a bit of a record if you take into account the size, the complexity, the breadth of the assets. So creating the first independent mega service in the Greek market with another couple of services to follow, notably Eurobanks and uh, Alpha Banks uh, transactions. So in all three dimensions, size, breadth of asset classes, and time, it has been unique in uh, the European context. Now, in terms of transaction challenges, I mean, we had a fair share of them. Um, due to the following key, two key issues, I would say, key issue number one is that we were the first mover. And the first mover has to face all sorts of issues, um, including, for example, labor issues. They would have to be sorted in Greece. First time such a transaction took place, we had to you know, come up with structures acceptable to all, and I think that we did. By the way, it was the first in Europe of this kind of size uh, carve-out where more than 700 people moved voluntarily to the new uh, company. No other, no other such venture has occurred, has, has been implemented in Europe. And then the very size and complexity of the assets has its own challenges. For example, in our transaction, first time in Europe, you had such a huge amount of UTPs, so non-denounced loans, transferred into the Carvout uh, company. How you solve them, how you deal with them. I mean, you need a lot of hard work, obviously. You need top-level uh, partnership between the CEO. We had it, the benefit in our case, the top-level partnership between the CEO of Intrum, Michael Eriksson, and Piraeus Bank, Christos Megalou, that they work tirelessly solving issues for 11 months, and as I said, there are good reasons why such issues may be arising, but in the end, fundamentally, it has to be worth it, and it was certainly worth it for both Piraeus and uh, Intrum. For Piraeus, it was worth it, because Piraeus has set up a major infrastructure it can benefit from to execute its own part of the securitizations. It has in its own plans 6 billion euro. The key strategic driver for Piraeus, and said it from the first moment, 
was to participate effectively and successfully in the securitization transactions with asset protection scheme. And by the way, they were among the first operators who put a lot of resources into developing with HFSF back then the asset protection scheme. So set up an infrastructure for the securitization. Secondly, for Piraeus, the transaction was capital accretive. And uh, from last year to this year, it is a different balance sheet that uh, Christos Megalou is uh, running to a large extent because of this uh, transaction. But secondly, hugely important for Intrum as well, because very simply Intrum has ended up out of this transaction with a unique platform to participate in possibly the most attractive NP market in Europe, which is uh, Greece. And uh, in their own uh, model, actually in our own model by now, a combination of carve-out capability, platform capability, combined with uh, significant investment appetite. And I said Intrum already has bought its first post-transaction portfolio of two billion. I think uh, gives all you need to have good participation in a, in, in a uh, market that is so attractive for NPs like uh, Greece. So great play for Intrum as well. Now, I think the previous panelists did mention very correctly that the NPs will go out of the banks. I think we have seen all sorts of numbers, but they are big numbers. Whether you want to take the 30 billion in the next couple of years or the 47 billion that Martin Churdas showed in the next couple of years, you know, that's a huge, huge number, huge ask. So NPs will go out of the banks. They will not go out of the economy. Somebody needs to deal with them. Somebody needs to work them out. And uh, the somebody will be largely the servicers. Next Capital Link conference in a year's time, I think, will be a different world, a world whereby billions have transferred, have new owners, and the new owners of those assets, they want two things fundamentally. They want performance and service, and the stakeholders actually will be beyond the owners. I think not only the owners of the, of the equity and mezzanine slices would have strong interest in what's going on, but the Greek state that has given the guarantees will have a strong interest in what's going on as well. So multiple stakeholders in a year's time in a new world. And uh, what I see, I see huge demand for performance. So services do have to perform. And I see this meaning a number of things for real economy. I think it is good news for borrowers, simply because the billions of NPs uh, that will be transferred to the services, chances are they're going to be dealt with even more realistically both with settlements and long-term uh, uh, restructurings, as well as more friendly to uh, customers in terms of type, timing and quality. So overall, the new world that uh, Deputy, uh, Deputy Minister Zavos described, the CEOs of the banks described, uh, the CEO of HFSF described, this brave new world requires very strong, sizable servicers, Gladly we have in the market the first mega independent mega services, which is Intrum Ellas, other two are to follow. In a year's time, what I see is further significant opportunities for investors to invest with good expectations for service and customers to get an even better service and borrowers from what they get, they're getting uh, today. Uh, thank you, George. And indeed, I think it's very important to highlight how these NPL transactions can help we kickstart the economy and, 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 and help borrowers restructure their businesses. I think that is a very fundamental element of the, uh, of the transaction regime that we can see forward here. But we're, we're um, benefiting from two advisors on our panel, and I'd like to start with Dimitri Psaris from Oliver Wyman. 
and, and seek his perspective on the evolution of the Greek and meal market and his views on, on, on what lies ahead uh, for the sector. Dimitri. Sure, thank you, Pano. Um, I think a lot of um, um, kind of the key points has been covered by the panel. Maybe I can put some numbers just to, um, to recap on where we stand. Um, um, it's important to note that NPs have been reduced by about 30 billion over the last uh, couple of years, um, as, as other presenters have, have shown, from the peak of 100 billion a couple of years ago. Um, this has been driven mostly um, through write-offs in the first couple of years, but then we have seen a significant acceleration in NP sales um, and also a stabilization of the organic NP outflow of the banks, which is quite important. Perhaps um, we should also mention that the asset classes that have been um, that the reduction has been focusing so far has mostly been consumer loans and, and, and business loans. There is still uh, a significant amount of uh, mortgages to be restructured. Now, just uh, even though many of those points have been mentioned, a couple of reasons on why this, we have seen this acceleration over the, cap, um, the last couple of years. I think the first one is, and it has been mentioned before, an improving macroeconomic and regulatory environment, the visible rebound in the Greek economy, the real estate prices, the improvement in the regulatory framework, um, and judicial reforms have supported faster NP reduction. I think the second driver, though, is quite important. It's um, there has been a, a strong investor interest in the market, and this has created a, a virtue cycle, circle because um, the strong servicing landscape. Um, we should we all know that uh, since 2017 there has been 22 services licensed in Greece, uh, and as George mentioned, there's another three uh, that will be out in the market that are um, carve-outs from the banks and, and kind of mega servicers. As a result of this activity, not only performance on managing the NP stock has and will be improved further, but this has created a, a transparency in the market, um, data quality um, to improve, process efficiency, uh, experience on how these contracts should be uh, set up. And essentially this, and, and I'm glad George mentioned the operational side as well and what, what Peter's Bank went through, uh, essentially, this, this, this knowledge in the market has lowered the transaction execution risk and in turn, this has created even more uh, investor interest. So this is um, kind of a virtual circle that has been created. Um, the third reason, so macro investors, the third reason we have seen this uh, development is essentially the, um, that the banks are much more confident. Banks have turned into pre-provision profitability. Um, the first transactions that happened in the market were capital accretive, so that supported uh, subsequent uh, sales as well. Uh, and obviously the experience of executing such sales. So where we stand at the moment, um, reduction of NP by the banks organically in the system has stabilized in about one billion of net outflows per quarter at the system level. Um, investors have or will soon be uh, having on their books 25 to 30 billion um, of NPs, and as such, we're likely to end this year, 2019, at a 60 billion uh, NP stock belonging to the banks. Now, as Theodore mentioned, 2020 is a pivotal year uh, for a number of reasons. Um, the aggressive plans that the NP, uh, that the banks have, even after the 40 billion reduction, banks will be at the 35% NP ratio. So essentially, they need to get to 20% by 2021 at the system level, as, as announced. Um, Secondly, the second, the second um, key determinant for 2020 is obviously Hercules. It has been mentioned uh, a lot. Um, so we expect around 20 billion of securitization to be covered from that, in addition to the about 9 billion that is currently in the pipeline. And I think, again, back to the operational side of things, 
Uh, it's important to remember that 2020 will be also the year during which the market will be tested. Um, the bulk of NP stock, as mentioned, will be managed by servicers. Um, this is important um, because then the, it will further enhance data transparency. We will, for the first time, see the, the Greek market recovery curves uh, and data that investors can actually look at and understand what, what is the value of this NP stock. And the willingness and resilience of the system to also absorb the certain wave of real estate assets will also be tested. So it's also a testing period for the operations of that. So what does it mean for investors, given that uh, this is the main purpose of, 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 of this um, panel? Uh, it means that there's going to be 20 to 25 billion coming into the market additionally in 2020. Um, we believe that this is going to be the last major wave of, of, of offloading of NPs from the banks. Um, what we will see in 2021 will likely be uh, top-ups to the existing um, uh, portfolios and probably will be mostly acquired by the existing players in the market. And in terms of what an investor would have to believe in in order to, um, to, 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 to invest in NPs in Greece is obviously the macro, the macro environment improvement, given that we shouldn't forget that Greece is not going to be just a liquidation play. I think um, it's important that um, uh, clients' uh, um, capacity to repay improves as macro improves. The real estate market improvement, which, is, which uh, has been mentioned, is extremely important. And I think one thing is also, uh, because we've been talking about the environment, and this is something we should not forget, is um, there's going to be a lot of real estate going out to the market and a lot of companies that need capital. And I think the banks, um, even after they offload the NPs, they have a very significant role to play, which is by activating credit. Uh, because so far, for instance, in the real estate market, the demand we have seen is mostly through cash transactions from international investors. And I think mortgage, mortgages provided by the bank, people who will be able to have, um, acquire those assets is, um, will require the local market to be financed. And I think banks have a role to play. So overall, an exciting year and a very important year in 2020 and um, a very busy year for all of us. Thank you, Dimitri, and let's hope it is a busy year for all of us indeed. Um, we heard earlier uh, Minister Yuriadis uh, commenting about Axia having assisted its investors to get some really positive returns. So the ball is on Alex Zaryros' court to tell us what pointers would give to investors in this segment of the market to achieve the returns um, that they uh, aspire to get, and what else could the Greek banks be doing to facilitate more investor interest? Um, thank you, Pano. Maybe I'll start answering in reverse and start from, from the bank's perspective and how they can best prepare. Uh, I'd like to go back to a comment that a couple of people on the panel made. Um, you know, when, when there's sales of NPLs or securitization of NPLs, the, the problem doesn't disappear. The NPLs don't disappear. The problem gets solved partially, and I'll get back to why partially, for the banks. Um, it then, you know, rests on the shoulders of the servicers and the investors to actually work through those NPLs, turn them into performing exposures, or you know, liquidate uh, uh, the underlying exposure. So you know, the work only starts when a transaction finishes uh, in terms of the life cycle of, a, of an entire NPL. So really, how can the banks you know, assist the investors? It's to give them as much clarity and as much comfort and as much data as possible in terms of what they're actually transacting on. Now, that's a very easy statement to make. It's a very, you know, hard reality to, to actually achieve because a lot of times, you know, the data doesn't exist or the track record doesn't exist. We've heard throughout the day 
that the servicing space and the servicing industry in Greece is a very kind of nascent and, and, and you know, recent development. So by definition, there cannot be a track record over a long period of time of how those things perform and how different asset classes uh, behave within that ecosystem. That being said, the more complete the data, the more objective the data, um, and, and the more consistent the approach from <coughs> the banks, I think the better the tools the investors have at their disposal uh, in order to, uh, to approach this. Um, now, going back to, you know, just close the loop on why I said it's only a partial solution for the banks, there's two things that stay behind. A, part of the NPLs, which as Theodore mentioned, uh, will still be on the balance sheets of the banks, and those are still going to be two to three times the European average in terms of a percentage of their overall book. And B, because in most of those situations, the banks do retain a substantial portion of the risk. It's a senior risk, but they still retain a substantial portion of the risk. So they have a vested interest. Now, switching over to um, you know, the investor side, um, I think it's the flip side of the same coin. And we, we're fortunate enough to have two investors that have been very active on a pan-European and a global basis in this, uh, in this field. So their views are going to be much more informed. Uh, but what I would say is, again, the same thing. Um, you, know, you have to you know, spend an enormous amount of time to understand the realities of the market and the asset classes that you're dealing with. It's a seemingly simple exercise, but practically it's an extremely complex exercise that requires a rather large web of uh, skills and advisors and, and, and data points to be able to successfully do so. And still, you have to you know, kind of make an assessment and, and um, sort of put your best foot forward in terms of how you believe things are going to develop. Because these are not situations that in any given market we've been through a couple of times or three times or four times so we can look back at how, you know, um, how different asset classes and actors in this space acted in the past. Um, so to close the loop and, and, and allow for enough time for, for the rest of the people in the panel, I would say it's you know, about preparation being realistic and objective um, and to the extent possible relying on the track record and the history of what exists and the integrity of the data that exists. Thank you, Alex. Um, and, and turning to the investors themselves now, um, and starting with Eric, uh, Eric, how does PIMCO approach the Greek market differently to the extent it does from the other European markets that it, that it, that it has uh, invested over the years in the NPL sector? And a bit of a loaded question as, we, as, as time is, is running down. Um, a few thoughts on, on your perspective into this uh, 2020 vintage that we're about to, to see and the different opportunities between the, um, the, the NPL transactions themselves and the kind of um, servicer carve-out opportunities as well and, and, and how the lay of the land will be thereafter. Uh, sure. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the major differences that we're seeing is the, clearly the creation of the, the Hercules program and the um, the in combination with the large servicer carve-outs. Uh, in 2020, we'll see, as was previously mentioned, three mega servicers created. And uh, I think we'll also see that other smaller servicers will struggle to gain scale. And uh, many will you know, either be forced to provide services to the mega servicers or simply cease to exist. So I think we're entering into a market where investors will see possibly lower choice in the, the servicing landscape and, and which servicers they can work with. Uh, that will be complicated also by the fact that 
at least for the uh, non-securitized portions of uh, the portfolios that are uh, under SLA with these mega servicers, uh, there'll be substantial exit fees uh, that would apply for portfolio sales, which will probably motivate the, the banks to try to sell the portfolios servicing retained instead of servicing released. Uh, or you'll see the, uh, the mega servicers offering extremely low pricing to retain that business because they get a combination of an exit fee and continuing business. So I think from a, an investor perspective, the servicing landscape is very different than other markets that we see, for example, Spain or the, or the UK or, or Ireland uh, and, and even Italy, which has its uh, uh, guarantee scheme. Um, I think from our perspective as investors, the, you know, the challenges that we see in, in Greece going forward, uh, given the volume that's going to be coming to market, um, uh, and, and the, the fact that a lot of that volume is going to come in the form of MES tranches, so subordinated exposure, um, we were very keen to see realistic business plans for, that are based on actual data wherever possible. Um, we're also uh, keenly awaiting details on the Hercules program uh, because there are both for investors who are interested in buying these servicer carve-outs and also for investors with, with uh, MES positions, uh, there will be key structural features of the Hercules um, program which will, be, uh, which will have an impact on uh, the, the value for the MES tranches. For example, are there going to be, where will the uh, coupon cutoff be set, where will the trigger be set for cutting off the coupon to the MES if there's underperformance? Uh, is there a risk that the servicer might be terminated because of underperformance? Or it, through deferral of servicing fees, if there's underperformance, will that put financial stress on the, on the servicers and cause the, uh, an impact on their ability to provide the services? Um, the, main, the main issues that we see or challenges that we see in underwriting is, as um, Demetrius made reference to, is data and uh, empirical data that we can look at to substantiate the, uh, the pricing that's expected, particularly when business plans are based on uh, restructuring long-term non-performing loans into re-performing loans. There is no data in the Greek market to say that you're going to have X percent success rate and Y percent redefault rate. And so uh, the next few years will be critical to gather data to demonstrate you know, the success rate and the redefault rate, which will then lead to a, a, a new phase of the market, which will be, we hope, uh, re-performing loan securitizations or sales. <coughs> Thank you. Um, and last but not least, we have Sami David here, who um, is uh, Fortress's man in Greece. Um, Sami, um, Fortress has interest both in the um, servicing uh, sector, <coughs> looking at various opportunities and the NPL transactions themselves. Uh, we've also seen this year two uh, shipping portfolios in, in, uh, from the Greek banks. In which asset classes do you see the greater opportunities? And, and a bit more pointed, how do you investors like you see 
the exiting um, the, the, the transactions you're entering into and crystallizing um, the returns. Yeah, thank you, Pano. Um, I think that, um, you know, the, our market has changed dramatically in the past uh, seven years. And um, in uh, Fortress and in Dubai, which are the two, the two entities, principal and uh, servicing, uh, we've been present in Greece for uh, something like uh, from 2012, and um, uh, using the comments that uh, other people made before me, uh, restructuring NPLs really kickstarts the, um, the whole economy because we've seen and we've actually performed restructurings that we've seen uh, doing a, a creating a new capital structure for the companies and eventually exiting. Uh, because the, the, the company from a non-viable company became a viable company which could raise capital in the capital markets. So capital coming from investors like, uh, like us most probably uh, come in to basically create an interim phase before other investors come in. So that's the way you can actually exit uh, from a market. Um, I, I really believe that uh, the MPL um, market can actually propel the economy forward because money is coming in, uh, companies are being restructured, equity is being created, and uh, that eventually together with good servicing coming from uh, uh, my friend George over here, eventually will, will, will help uh, the Greek economy go forward and, uh, and grow in, um, in uh, much uh, bigger rates. We always need to, figure, to understand that our country suffered a more than 25% GDP loss, and that eventually now creates an opportunity through the NPLs to, um, to restructure the whole capital structure of the economy. Thank you. Um, we could be going on all day on this topic and, and the opportunities. I think the key message is the message of restructuring the economy and the Greek banking sector through the NPL transactions and, and uh, with the uh, changes that we have seen, the, the asset protection scheme, the new services being created, and the improved economic environment, um, we're hopefully a step closer to achieving that. Uh, the clock is down, Nicholas has given me the look. Thank you very much, and um, thank you to the panelists. Thank you for a great